0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com.
1: The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is
0: brought to you by Moultrie Mobile. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app.
2: All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is a guy that I've been trying to connect with for quite a while now. Uh, His name is Brad Clay, and we have been going back and forth in emails and messages and trying to get connected. Well, it just so happens that he is in house with me today to record, and I can't wait. Now, Brad is the host of Final Descent Outdoors. It happens to be the longest running show on the Pursuit Channel. He's also an ordained minister. And I'm just excited to pick his brain about all the different hunts that he's done. Being a guy that's 12 years in, or 13 years in now, into the outdoor industry, um, to just hear a little bit about that from him, to hear some of his stories, both good and bad, I'm pretty pumped. So we're going to jump right into this one. I hope you all enjoy.
1: Like, he was doing things that were just badass.
2: That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, actually in person. In person yeah, How many other times does that happen? Not very often. Yeah. I mean, I've probably recorded around a hundred episodes total. Yeah. I bet you a dozen, a dozen and a half have been in person.
1: This is elite. This couch is elite. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: We're I, I'm pumped, man. I'm uh, excited to be here, man. To find out that you're just a couple hours away. Yeah, and yeah. Then, I mean, you've been speaking. At yeah, the church,
1: so uh, so yeah, so uh, you know, host a a final to send outdoors our our TV show. Um, you know we're faith based program. We end every show with a devotion, and so people watch and they're doing these events and they're like, hey man, do you want to come speak at this event? And so I speak at a lot of churches, and so uh, I maybe mean, just down the road, we've been trying to connect for yeah. for a while to do this. You know, talking about calling in and doing that, and and uh, we just haven't got <clears throat> got it got it got it figured out. But uh, I was speaking just down the road, an hour away in Neosho, uh, Missouri. And uh, I spoke last night at their wild game dinner. It kind of got so big. They do two nights. So they do Friday night. They have like 400 men tonight. They'll have like 500 men. So they just couldn't fit them in a room. So they split it and do two nights. And so, like, I legit had nothing to do today. And so I hit you up. I was like, Hey man, like I'm an hour from you. Uh, I'll just drive over. So let's worked out. So here we are.
2: Yeah. I think I think next time we're gonna have to do a hunt or something. Well, like oh we'll yeah. Well, you asked me today. you
1: were like, hey, do you want to go cow hunting in the morning? And I was like, well, I didn't dress for it. And then we are not built the same. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm a lot bigger than you are. I'm a big dude. So I was like, I don't think I can squeeze into your your schmedium. <laughs> no. I looked like I was wearing a schmedium if I was in your camo. So it didn't work out. But yeah, no, that would be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, because I'm just down the just down the road from you know Oklahoma. I uh, live just north Oklahoma City, and uh, that's where we run the production for final descent and uh, all that fun stuff. So,
2: yeah. How many how many days a year are you, like, traveling for hunting?
1: I am usually gone probably about seven weeks. Um, nice. I'm gone hunting. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll start for me uh, end of uh, mid to end of August. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into doing antelope. <clears throat> uh, I usually go to Wyoming, double-A outfitters in, uh, in Moorcroft, Wyoming, northeast Wyoming. And I go up there and do a bow hunt. Go sit in a ground blind, sweat to death over a water hole. It's a <laughs> horrific three days until they get thirsty, man, and come in. And then you got to you better make it count. Um, and then uh, you know doing whitetail, mule deer, uh, elk. And then I got guys that film for me. We've got eight pro staffers around the country. We got guys in uh, Kentucky, Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, um, Oklahoma, Texas. And so uh, those guys are out filming for me, too, and, 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 and creating content. we got some great guys, man. If it wasn't for them, because honestly, like, they're way better at it than I am. Like, they're, they're like, legit hunters, and we've got some great guys. And uh, I'm excited for this upcoming season. We've got some great content to share. So uh, some great episodes from from all over, you know. So, yeah, I, that's about that's about it, though. About seven weeks out of the year, I'm on the road. So Nice. Yeah.
2: How, how did you get into hunting? I mean, has this been something you've done? Since you were Yeah, a kid. so
1: I'm originally from a little bitty town in Western Oklahoma called Raiden, R E Y D O N. I had six kids in my kindergarten class. Uh, oh, middle dang. of nowhere, bro. Middle <laughs> of nowhere. Uh, uh, the closest Walmart is 55 miles to Elk City, Oklahoma. And so, hunting and fishing is just way of life. That's what you did. And like most people, I, I fell in love with the outdoors because of my dad. Yep. And so, my dad loved a turkey hunt, loved a deer hunt. You know, we had a bunch of quail, loved a quail hunt. But my dad's passion, was hunting coyotes you mentioned that today you want to go coyote hunting except my dad didn't use a gun he used greyhounds oh, and so dang. i grew up uh with 16 greyhounds as pets <laughs> and uh we had a flatbed pickup and you have a dog box on the back and if you, if you haven't ever seen it like oh i've like, watched the video if you, if you, if you, yeah like oh, I, it's sending people down a uh a, a youtube wormhole mm-hmm. of watching greyhounds chase down and kill coyotes but we had dog boxes on the in the back of the pickup, they were on a flatbed pickup and the dogs could stand up and they'd get their heads out and it was held by a cable. A lash held a cable held the latch shut and that cable ran to the into the cab and it was just total redneck engineering, you know. <laughs> and my dad could pull one lever and it would swing open the driver's side door, the other lever would swing open the passenger side door, and we'd dump those, we'd see a coyote out in a pasture, out in a field. He'd pull that lever, dump those greyhounds, and they'd run out there and catch that cow and kill him. And so uh, I just fell in love with the outdoors, you know, yep. from an, from an early age, because uh, that's what my dad loved to do. So yeah,
2: that's sweet. I, I'd imagine with that, you got to have access to a lot of property, because I mean, I've watched some of the videos where these guys are taking their trucks across fields for. Three oh, yeah. So, you know, when you get like out, like,
1: you get into like the Texas Panhandle, Western Oklahoma, a lot of those are big properties, yeah. right? I mean, it's not uncommon, you know, for some of those properties to be three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 acre properties. And so you could per- get permission and then just being such a rural area, like everybody knows everybody. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, you bump into a guy at the little cafe in Raiden and, you know, and they're like, "Hey, if you see any cows on me, you know, you got you just dump them, and get them, you know, because <laughs> the ranchers want them gone." You oh, know yeah. what I mean? And so we basically had, you know, and it was different too. You know, that was in the mid '80s, late '90s. Um, You know, times were different; the people weren't leasing everything up, and so it was just, hey, it was kind of a free for all. Everybody wanted you to get after it and get them gone. So that's what we did.
2: Man, that that's one of those hunts that I think would be a lot of fun. I like watching dogs work. I've oh, fallen yeah. in love with like watching. Hunting dogs do what they're designed to do.
1: For sure, man. Anyway. Those greyhounds are unbelievable. They'll watch a greyhound running 55-mile-an-hour and go through a ball bar fence and never slow down. Like, they're a big dog. Oh, yeah. And they don't I mean, they just go right through it. We always carried a staple gun because every once in a while, they'd miss. <laughs> they'd miss their aim, hit that fence, roll them up, cut them up. We'd get out there, they got a big old gash, and we just staple them shut. And They're bred for it, you yeah. know And I mean? They loved what they did. You know, they loved it. And, the, and to keep them in shape, um, you know, so they, they wouldn't get all fat and lazy on us in the summer, we'd go out and we'd spot a of rabbits on wheat fields. Oh, dang. And <laughs> they'd catch jackrabbits. They could dump them. They'd go out there and, hit, and you'd follow with a light and they'd, they'd catch a jackrabbit. But a cottontail that doesn't run near as fast as a jackrabbit. So that cottontail, he can run, I don't know, 30 mile an hour. But he can turn 90 degrees running 30 mile an hour uh-huh. you know so they'd almost get to him and he'd break to the right and they'd try to do it too and them dogs would just roll get <laughs> up and try to find him again he'd break to the left you know they'd roll so they rarely ever caught a a cottontail but that's how we'd keep them in shape in the summer is uh rabbit hunting them and just yeah it's just great memories man doing that as a kid
2: i i think it'd be the coolest thing to have like a whole kennel just, yeah. you know, you've got your whole pack of greyhounds. You've got a bunch of beagles. You might have a bunch of, like. Yeah, get some coon uh, dogs in there. Yeah, some, yeah exactly. man, yeah, yeah. Have all kinds of dogs, all bred for different things. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. We And we did, we had, we we coon hunted, my, you know, we had we did that. We had beagles for a little while. Uh, we had, you know, some pointers, things like that, because we quail hunted. So I just grew up, you know, we had a ton of dogs, man, growing up as a kid out there on our, our family's ranch in western Oklahoma. So that was, that was a lot of fun.
2: Did you have a, a specific type of hunting that you really liked more than everything else?
1: Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, we went into this my, I I I would probably say my my the first hunting that I just like fell in love with was waterfowl. When I was in high school, um always deer hunted, you know, I didn't ever bow hunt growing up. Um, you know, even into high school, I, I just, you know, gun hunted. There was a two weeks, you know, Oklahoma rifle, and that's what I did. Um, but when I was in high school, I had some buddies that enjoyed duck hunting. And I lived uh in at that we ended up moving and I lived in Allen, Oklahoma, which is kind of southeast part of the state. <clears throat> uh and across the street, we lived a couple miles out of town, across the street, there was a big pond and it sat on the edge of a field and there was always ducks there. And I remember asking the Landowner, if they mind if I walked across the street to hunt, and he's like, Yeah, no problem. And I'd go over there and duck hunt, and I would limit out every day. I, I would get a limit, and I saw so my, my mindset was like that was normal. And even yeah. when I'd bring buddies or like three or four, we'd limit out every day. Well, I didn't understand that this was a hundred and six this pond sat in 160 acres of peanuts. Oh, dang, it's like crack cocaine <laughs> for ducks. And so, I mean, they were just, they were just piling in onto this pond that was on the edge of this, this peanut field. And so I was so spoiled when I moved and got out of high school. And I realized, oh, that doesn't happen every time you go duck hunting, (laughs) that you don't get a limit every time you don't like it's, it's, it's not this easy every time. And so I kind of got spooled, but that's where I kind of probably, i like, I've like fell in love with it. Like started spending like stupid money, mm-hmm. you know, cause that can be an expensive sport, oh, you very. know, man, you know, waiters, decoys, gotten into, you know, ended up getting lab dog and I dove into it. But then when we started doing the show, I quickly realized, which I enjoyed big game hunting, obviously, but I quickly realized that 71 cents of every dollar spent in the outdoor industry spent on hunting a whitetail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went into doing the show 12 years ago when we started, we didn't know what we were doing. We still don't really know what we're doing, but here we are. Um, but uh, we went into it thinking that it was going to be, you know, 90% hunting, 10% business. And we learned really quick, like, man, if you're going to make it in this, like you're going to have to figure out the business aspect of it, like partnerships with people, companies, you're going to figure that part of it out. And I learned really quick, it's 90% business, 10% hunting. And we, fi- we figured out like, listen, 71 cents of every dollar spent in the outdoor industry spent on hunting a white tail deer, we're going to have to shift, and we're going to be primarily hunting whitetail deer, so that we can keep our partners yep. happy, so they'll continue to support what we're doing, so we continue to make episodes and continue to make content. And so uh, we kind of figured that out. And so, you know, through that, I would I would say now my passion is hunting, you know, big deer. Yeah. You know, that's that's it. Uh, mule deer, whitetail. I mean, that's, it's it's kind of, you know, kind of become the drug. Yeah. Yeah.
2: White whitetail hunting. I mean that's what I grew up doing. Yeah. That was number one thing that my family was into. And it wasn't until my uncle and my cousin got into waterfowl hunting that I really branched out to anything else. Yeah. Well, I've I've come to really appreciate what we had up in Wisconsin, the property that we could hunt, the deer that would show up. I mean, we would it wasn't uncommon to sit out in the stand and see 40, 50 deer on opening day. Right. I've learned that's not that's not common in a lot of different places, yeah, yeah. especially even down here in Missouri. Right. Like a good day, you know, we'll see a dozen, two dozen deer. Um, but there's something about chasing after a big whitetail or even. Yeah. A big mealy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, there is. And, and uh, our property in Western Oklahoma is where we, we film a lot of the show there. Um, we, my family owns ground there and then we lease quite a bit of ground there and have a lodge there that we, we host partners and, Things like that. You know, it's not uncommon. We have, you know, really big wheat fields. Um, and they're kind of destination fields that pull a lot of deer. And there's, it's not uncommon to see 150 deer a night Jeez. on some of those fields. Like, it's just crazy, our deer numbers. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm thankful because <clears throat> I've got some guys on our staff when it comes to big deer. Like, uh, I've, I've, I've been blessed, man, to take some really, really nice mule deer. 189, 174. I just shot, I don't know, a month ago. In Old Mexico, down in Sonora, I killed uh, another really nice 165 inch mule deer. Um, I've been blessed to shoot some really really nice muleys, but the uh, a Boone or Whitetail has eluded me. Like my biggest is 164. Um, I've, I've but it's eluded me. But I'm thankful I got guys on our staff that are straight up big buck killers. And um, our biggest buck that's ever been killed on the show, we've had uh, two deer over 200 that have been killed on the show, and our biggest ever. Will be this fall, and I'm so excited. One of our staffers, a guy who there's nobody who deserves it more than this guy. His name's Johnny Maxwell. Uh, he killed a two fourteen in Oklahoma this year. Uh, unbelievable footage. I mean, they got 28 minutes of him before he shot. He shoots him like at 4:30 in the afternoon Jeez. in October. I mean, it's just gorgeous. He makes a scrape, works his way down the tree line, comes right to him, shoots him with a bow. It's just incredible. But the why it makes it so cool <clears throat> is that Johnny. A couple of years ago, had a widowmaker heart attack, and Johnny actually wears a battery pack that pumps his heart. He's on the heart transplant list. Damn. And um, it's, so it's going to make for such a cool story because this property they hunt—it's about six thousand acres, south central Oklahoma. Um, just a cattle ranch, you know, nothing special. Uh, in the last four years, they've killed a one eighty-three, a one ninety-six, and a two fourteen off this property. Oh my god! Just incredible. And the one ninety six was so Johnny Maxwell, his family owns the ground. And uh one of our other staffers, Paul Powers, who's just a big buck killer. Like Paul's a guy who could literally take a tree stand and hang it on a light pole in the Walmart parking lot and kill a 180. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is he here? Why did you do that? And he's like, Well, I just had a feeling, you know, I'm like shut up. I hate you. You know. But uh they had they've just they managed this property, um, just an incredible incredible management of, of just killing big bucks. Well, the 196 they kind of designate was going to be Johnny's. Well, he ended up having that heart attack rolls around to hunting season. He's pretty weak, you know, coming back, he spent like 56 days in ICU. You know, Jeez. we do you know if he's going to make it? Well, they patterned that deer. They, they'd been getting pictures of him and he was going to a neighboring property onto a field. And they were like, he's going to, the neighbor's going to kill him. You know, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's getting, now he's going to this field in daylight, this neighbor, they knew hunted, and they figured out where he was coming from, and Paul's like, I know where he's coming from. I know he's crossing this creek. This is what's happened. Just using trail cameras. He figured it out. Yep. And he says, Johnny, we got. i got to get you in there to shoot him. And Johnny said, Paul, I can't walk that far. I can't get in there. And he says, well, I mean, that's, that's the only way we're going to be able to kill him. And he said, I can't do it. And uh, Johnny said, you're going to have to go kill him. And he says, I can't go kill him. That's your deer. You know, you deserve it. You almost died. Yeah, That's your deer. And he said, oh, it's our deer. I need you to go in there and kill him. He says he went in there, and this is what's crazy. Paul went in there, no tree stand, no ground blind, sat down under a tree with a compound, shot him at 18 yards, sitting on the ground, filming, filming, shoots the deer, incredible, like unbelievable, giant 196-inch whitetail. He shoots him, walks back. He'd taken Johnny to another set. And they had a player's ranger, and Johnny only had to walk about 40 yards to get into a tree, and they kind of hid the ranger. And They walk back, and he meets him there, and he told him, said, I killed him. And he said, I just I was bawling. He said, because I didn't deserve him. He wasn't mine. It was Johnny's. So we do that in an episode and talk about that 196, and, and Paul, at the end of it, he, they're all they're both are both and bawling, and he says, I promise you, I'm going to make sure you get a giant. I'm going to help you get a giant buck. I'm going to help you get a, a big one. And it happened. And so Paul was filming. Johnny shoots a 214-inch giant deer, and so that'll be one of the episodes for this next year. Monster Bucks is going to use it for an episode as well, kind of telling that story. So we're, I appreciate David Blanton doing that, and uh, I sent him the footage, and he was like, yeah, I think we, I think this qualifies, <laughs> man. And so uh, anyway, um, but chasing big whitetail, man, and uh, seeing big whitetail, it's a chess match, and it's just a passion, man. I love it.
2: Well, and I think that's why people get so into it. You know, you get out west and you get you get to mule deer and elk, where they they might travel dozens and dozens of miles, <laughs> yeah, um, hundreds of miles. You know, once they start doing their migration patterns, yeah. Whitetail, like once you get into those big boys, mm-hmm. they're they're typically hanging tight in yeah. a certain area. Yeah, I mean ninety percent of the year they spend in yeah. a couple acres, maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was crazy about that deer. So that 6,000 acres, they've hunted it for years. They never saw him before. They never seen him. He shows up, and I believe from the moment they got the first picture of him, I believe 13 days later, he was dead. Oh, my god. And they'd never seen him before. And you're talking about the middle of 6,000 acres. So did he just avoid, you know, they're out here running 25, 30 cameras. Did he just avoid them the whole time? Was he just super, super smart? Or, you know, as a rut came, did he travel from some other place? Did he come in? You know, so they don't really know, but uh, you know they got a picture of him, and it was all in the middle of the night, and they're like, "Okay, where is he coming from? Where is he coming from? How's he getting here?" Yep. And so they just started using cameras, and their use of cameras is what's led to them be successful. You know, they st- they go and say, "Okay, we're gonna put cameras here, put a little bit of feed out." You know, Oklahoma weekend bait. You gonna put a little bit of feed out, see if I get a picture of him. Nope, nothing there. And they'd rotate those cameras just around the the perimeter of where they were getting consistent pictures of him. Yep. And then they found, they got a picture of him like at three o'clock in the afternoon. And they are like, found the bedroom. Time to go. <laughs> now we know. And they waited for the wind was right. They hung a set, sat down in it, hung it and sat in it. And he stood up 80 yards from them, skirted on the first night, came back in the next night and killed him. So, yeah, it's incredible.
2: Gosh. I, to have more than one encounter with a deer, I mean, even just to have my first encounter with a deer that size. Oh, yeah. I don't know what I'd do. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I saw a 180. I want to say it's two years ago now. Yeah. And the only time I've ever ever seen it, never had sheds, never had trail camera pictures. Saw him at like 330 yards. Just a ghost. In the but morning. he is. Yep. And he's just standing out there. And I'm like, that's the biggest deer I've ever seen. Yeah. Like in the wild in yeah. person. That's all I know about him. Yeah. Uh, I think the neighbor has a picture of him. Um, I've heard stories about it, but. I don't think I don't think he's dead. Yeah, and if he's still alive, yeah, It's 100%. one of those deer
1: that would you know it's hard it's hard to hide. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's hard to hide. So you know if he was dead and he was local, you'd probably have heard about it. You know, you'd oh, think yeah. so. Social media, man, it's hard to hide a deer.
2: Man, you you hear about like uh, conservation agents using social media now to bust people. There oh yeah, that guy who shot one in a different state. Yeah, and then tried to claim it in his home state. Yeah, and. It just took one person that saw it and they're like, no, I know that deer I've got trail camera pictures yeah he came up, he crossed state lines poached it and brought it back home. oh yeah,
1: no man social media is the is the it's the it's the it, uh, it's it's caught a lot of people yeah you know by being stupid I remember in Oklahoma uh some guys got caught they took a picture of a deer in their yard and the wildlife department was able to zoom in. On their gas meter that they took the picture by, and get the number off the gas meter. Oh my! To gosh. know the location, like that <laughs> of, I mean, like legit, like use that to find out who, where the deer was, where this picture was taken, whose yard is this?
2: That is insane.
1: Because it was illegally harvested, you know. So, I mean, you're. If you're dumb enough to do it illegally and then you're dumb enough to post about it. Oh yeah. You should go to, you, you deserve everything. Like throw the book at you.
2: All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called bull elk beard oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain in the marsh or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great. So now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community. Whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out BullElfBeardOil.com, and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. I tell people all the time, I'm like, man, I I don't bend the rules at all when it comes to hunting yeah like this is my passion if i lost the ability to do this i'd be i'd be a wreck yeah and so i don't i don't mess around even like shooting i i've had turkeys on my neighbor's property literally three yards monster toms yeah on the other side of the fence yeah it would have been easy pull the trigger pull them across yeah no not gonna do it yeah one Cause I don't want to have to like trying to keep up with a lie would be so tough. Right. Years and years and years of telling the story, like you're going to slip up at some yeah. point and I don't want to have to lie about a hunt and I don't want to have to admit to being guilty every right. time I tell the story. So right. I'm like, just do it the right way. You're going to feel better about it in the long run anyways. It's yeah,
1: sad. no, exactly. And it's just, and you know, for me, you know, I have to be above reproach, oh, you yeah. know, uh, for two reasons. One, I'm in the spotlight, you know, host, of a outdoor hunting TV show, it flip flips out of just being a minister, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm a licensed and ordained minister and I'm kind of, you know, viewed to be like, all right, you got to be in, in the upright and, yeah. and, uh and, and, you know, a lot of our, our companies, you know, CVA uh, is one of our partners with muzzle loaders and bolt action rifles. And, you know, uh and there's other companies that do this too, but like we have a, uh, we have a, a moral clause, you know, in our contracts that if we, if we do something, you know, break a wildlife law, like, it's over man. The, yep. They don't owe me nothing. Uh you know, our our, our relationships terminated immediately, you know. So we've got to be on the up and up. And not that accidents can't happen, you know. I mean I have I've been with some, some in some situations. <clears throat> I had a buddy who, uh, you know, shot a Tom and you know, um he, he didn't film for us, is actually um a, a partner of, of Final Descent Outdoors was, was in. We were hosting him on a turkey hunt and uh, he shot a Tom. And behind that tom was a hen that he didn't see, and he shot a hen too, which is illegal. And uh, I was self-reported, you yep. know. It's like, hey, we're we're calling, you know. He was immediate. He said, "Man, you got to call the game warden." And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, no, you're right. We, you know, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. No way to know. I mean, you could uh, you could easily dug a hole, man, buried buried that hen turkey, but he said, no, it's not the it's not the right thing to do. Yep. And uh, you know, self-reported because it's just not worth it. You know, yeah. it's just not worth it. So
2: no, definitely not over. You know, a, a game animal like. Oh, at yeah. the end of the day throwing it away like over if you're stupid. yeah throwing everything away over one bad choice and when it is when it's an accident yeah like they know like even just the phone call like it's it's pretty obvious if you're if you're out there to poach something out of season after hours whatever yeah you're not going to call in as soon as you shoot it and, and if you're calling in and, and honest and open with them on the front end obviously they're yeah most a lot more most of
1: most of them will be you know you hope so i mean there's guys that that you know i mean they're by the book or whatever but you know you still gotta put your pillow you put your head on your pillow and sleep at night you know and so it's a big
2: deal for me yeah luckily i haven't i haven't been in that position yet where i'm like i mean i i've had opportunities definitely to make the wrong choice and i haven't oh yeah uh,
1: (laughs) i was I got a, it's kind of a horrible story. I won't say who the so I've had some bad outfitter experiences because outfitters will call us and be like, "Hey man, would you come and hunt?" They'll give us a hunt for free yep. to be featured on the show, and so we hunt with a lot out and There's so many great outfitters. I mean, I could make a list of just like top notch outfitters. I mean, you know, from hunting alligators in Florida to you know hog hunting and whitetail mule deer, you know, antelope, whatever. I, I could give a list of great outfitters, but I've had some bad ones and uh one of my one of the worst experiences i have ever had was in nebraska i had an outfitter call me and he said uh, i've been guiding in south dakota and he says it's a draw state it's just hard and he goes i'm right on the on the line of nebraska and he nebraska's over the counter and he goes so i'm starting this will be my first year guiding in nebraska and he goes man i wonder if you know if you'd come up and do an episode with me and he's like i got 3000 acres we got some alfalfa fields, and he goes, I got some really good bucks on camera. And I was like, Oh, shoot, send me some pictures. And he sends me, he's like, nine bucks over like 150. And I'm like, All right, man, I'll come <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> so I go up, I meet this guy, and uh, he, uh, he, I'll never forget, he drove a uh, real tree snow camo wrap Chevy Avalanche. So I meet him, and uh, anyway, we go out, we hunt. It's brutal cold, it's kind of late rifle. And, uh, anyway, but the second morning we're driving to where we're going hunting and, uh, there's a pretty good nine pointer standing in the bar ditch. It's like 5. AM. And I was like, man, that's a pretty nice button. He kind of stops, you know, like, you know, he's right on the edge of the road and he's like, you can shoot him if you want to. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, no, I'm serious. If you want to shoot him you can." And I was like, Oh my God. Uh, well, it's not gonna make for great footage for the show. <laughs> all right. And that would be a waste for me. Yeah. Right. And then I'm like, dude, like, how is that? First of all, it's illegal. It doesn't benefit your business. Yeah. It definitely doesn't benefit my business. Like what in the world? Well, long story short, this dude said he had 3000 acres. He didn't have 3000 acres. He was sending me trail camera pictures of, he was just getting them off the internet. Oh the dude had gosh. 30 acres. He was guiding us on public ground. And you ready for a great? This is a great story. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. all right. You ready for this? Gritty. Okay. So every day we'd get done hunting, and it took me. We we're supposed to be there for five days. It took me three days to figure out what was going on. So he's gotten us on public ground, and every day after we'd hunt in the morning, he'd drop us off and he'd come get us. And instead of taking us back to where we were staying, he would take us to this little bar uh, that was kind of out in the country, and we would go and sit at this at this bar just like hang out through the middle of the day they had TVs and they'd serve like burgers or whatever, but it it was the same characters. Like, so like it was like you walk in and there was a guy there. Uh, one guy there, his name was crawdad. Uh, he didn't have all of his teeth. Um, and he was a big fan of finals and outdoors. And it was just an honor that we were there. And every day he was like, Hey, you want to come to my house and eat some grilled cheese and tomato soup? And I was like, no, no, crawdad, I think I'll just hang out here, man. You know, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, there was another guy there that I've never heard. I've never heard someone use the F word as a noun, an adjective and a <laughs> verb in the same sentence, but he did like this dude just cussed like a sailor. And on the second day I'm sitting there and I've got my um, the guys filming with me. His name's is Brent Hill. One of our staffers, and he's sitting there with me and we're sitting at a table and like they got the TV on, we're just hanging out. And that guy that, that cusses all the time comes and pulls it. He's an older gentleman, like in his probably early 70s. Pulls up a chair, and he goes, I hear you're a, like a preacher. Or he goes, I hear you're like a priest or something. And I was like, well, I'm a licensed and ordained minister. And he goes, I got some things I need to get off my chest. And I'll never <laughs> oh forget, Brent gosh. just slides his chair back and gets up and leaves. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no don't leave me. The guy leads in. He's like, I got some things I need to get off my chest. Brant slides out, gets something. I was like, all right, man. Yeah, what's going on? He goes, I can't even tell you how many convenience stores I've robbed. <laughs> what? And I said, really? And he's like, yeah. He said, man, through the 70s and 80s, he goes, I robbed a lot of convenience stores and uh, did a lot of really bad stuff. And he just starts like spilling like I, like it's a confessional booth in this bar. you know. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Well, our guide, the uh, little barmaid, little waitress in there, um, he, she was pregnant with this kid, and that's kind of what we hung out in there. And uh, anyway, we go back to, well, I finally figure out what's going on. Like, you know, like, man, we're we're in public. I'm pulling up a map. Like, you know, like I'm seeing other people, and I'm like, man, this is a weird deal, you know, and I finally figure out what's going on. And I tell him, he's like, hey, man, like, where's this all this ground? And he was like, oh, man, I I end up not getting it and all this stuff. And so I'm like, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, like I can't recommend somebody come. I can't put you on our show and recommend somebody to come up here and hunt with you. Like put my stamp of approval on you. I said, I can't do it. And so we packed our stuff and I leave. Well, he had a lady that handled his booking and, uh, Anyway, so I call her and I said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, like, I'm leaving. I'm not staying because I talked to her quite a bit, too. And she's like, Why? what's going on? And I was like, you guys lied to me. Like, you don't have 3,000 acres, you you know? And she's like, no, like, I gave him the money to go and lease that ground. Like, he told me, like, thousands of dollars out of our business account. She goes, he's my partner. I gave him the money to go lease it. And I'm like, he didn't lease it. And she's like, Are you telling me my business partner lied to me? And I said, I, I don't know. I can tell you right now, you don't have three you don't have three thousand acres at least. You ain't got it. Yeah. She starts bawling. And she says, I need you to be really honest with me. She goes, Not only is he my business partner, he's also my lover. <laughs> have oh my have you seen him with any other women? while you've been hunting with him the last three days, I have gone and sat at this hole in the wall bar with his six month pregnant girlfriend. And here's this lady telling me this whole thing. Right. So I'm like, this is a Jerry Springer episode. This whole hunt has been a Jerry Springer episode. (laughs) And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I don't want to get wrapped up in this. And I said, i tell you what I said, do you know where this, you know, such and such, you know, bar is. And she's like, yeah. And I said, you probably should show up over there about 11 o'clock one day. And she's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And that was the end of it. Like, I walked away. That was the last conversation I had. Done.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. How about that, man?
2: That, that's the crazy. Like, I've heard a couple crazy hunting stories. That's the wildest hunting trip
1: yeah. I've ever heard.
2: Especially, yeah, it didn't even really have to do with the hunt. It didn't have like anything to do with the hunt. It was a
1: legit Jerry Springer episode. It legit Jerry
2: Springer. I, I'm just picturing like a heist movie where like they meet at this little dive and oh, yeah. everybody gets in on it and oh I mean, yeah the pregnant lady behind the counter like she handles a certain part and then come to find out like man there's actual like convenience store robbers involved in there oh yeah some dude, random dude named I mean at. this guy <laughs> just yoked. <know,
1: laughs> I mean uh, I just it is it was uh, you couldn't even make it up. You know how people, I'll tell that story to people and they'll be like, you just made that up. And I was like, I don't, I don't even have the imagination for this. Yeah. Like this is legitimately the craziest hunting (laughs) experience I've ever had. Yeah.
2: I I would pay to watch that TV show. Right. That's good. Imagine. (laughs) Imagine. That, I think you need to start a second TV show. Yeah, we called could like crazy hunts or bad hunts or yeah. Because
1: I have some other ones that were really bad. Yeah, I've had some moments, you know, <laughs> that were that were rough. But that one, that one takes the cake, man, by Jeez. far. Yeah, I don't. But I you do this for like twelve years. I've hunted with so many outfitters. You're just, you know, it's a, and what's unfortunate is that there are experiences like that out there that are really really bad. So so we have a podcast too, uh, Final Destination Outdoors. And on one of our upcoming podcasts, I tell a horrible taxidermy story. Like, oh, so bad. Like, I don't understand. So I got on this this rant, my soapbox on this, but I don't know how it is in Missouri, but in Oklahoma, there's no licensing required to be a taxidermist. You don't have to be licensed through the state. You can just say, I'm a taxidermist. So you you have to have a license to cut somebody's hair, but to do taxidermy, you don't have to have a license. None whatsoever. There's no regulations. Like if you somebody's not being clean or they're doing a bad job, you can complain. You get their license revoked. Oh yeah. Well, somebody's horrible at taxidermy, or they don't get your. It's three years in. You haven't gotten your stuff. They're dodging your calls. There's like almost nothing you
2: can do. Well, and most places, they they expect quite a bit up front. Like yeah, fifty sure. percent is yeah. Technical. So
1: let's say you're putting down three hundred bucks. Yeah. Right? And then three years later, you know what I mean? Like, horrible. So I had a crazy situation with a taxidermist. So our church, I was on staff at the First Baptist Church in Sulphur, Oklahoma. I served there for 10 years, and we always did a big buck contest. And a new taxidermist in town said, I want to do a, uh, I want to give to your contest a free mount to the winner. And we're like, dude, that's awesome. Like, that's that's cool. Like, we had, you know, some stuff donated, you know. Uh, like we had like a $500 gift card to Cabela's or something. And then, man, we couldn't get a free mount for the winter. Like, that's really cool. So the guy wins, um, take the deer to him. Uh, it's like, you know, six months, seven, eight months, you know, Hey, where's that deer? How's that coming? Oh yeah, I'm I'm getting close, you know? And then it'd be like a year and he's like, Oh, he's drying right now. And then like three weeks later call, Hey man, we're going to see if we can get our guy that deer. And it just kept on with this, like this lie about yeah. the deer. And it just led to a whole thing. Our, our pastor, our church had to get involved and was just like, you know what? Like just whatever, wherever the state of the deer is, just bring it to us and we'll pay to have this done. And he ended up saying, he ended up calling and saying the deer's on the steps of the church office. And we go and the guy had killed like a 158 inch nine pointer. And uh, the, the cape is a double-throat patch, beautiful deer, won nice. the contest. Uh, on the porch is about a 126-inch eight-pointer
2: oh,
1: no. and not a double-throat patch cape, not even the same deer. So our pastor calls him, and is like, hey, you know, the guys are saying this isn't the right deer. And he says, well, it's because Brad Clay broke into my shop and stole (laughs) stole the winner's horns and cape to make me look bad that I broke in
2: yeah you're out there just intentionally
1: on staff minister of a church (laughs) host of a national hunting TV show to make you look bad.
2: Yeah, just trying to put the little guy under. I'm trying to put, he's,
1: he's next door, he's shared a wall with Abuelita's Mexican restaurant. So, you know, I went into the bathroom at Abuelita's, crawled through the <laughs> tile, you know, broke into your shop, stole a guy's Some horns. elaborate Ocean's yeah. Eleven stuff yeah, yeah. just dun, to get dun, that dun, <laughs> dun, 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 Just so I can make you look bad, right? And this is a story, and he was like, I don't think that's what's happening. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's out for me. He's out for me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, what the heck, man? And uh, anyway, years go by. Like, I mean, it's gone. Like, this deer's gone. Like, the guy ends up closing up shop, moving to a new town, opens up another business, takes people's money, ends up shutting down. Like, I mean, he's got... Anyway, finally, Oklahoma Wildlife Department shuts this whole thing down. They ended up running an ad in the paper and saying at the Murray County Expo... If you had any business with this particular taxidermist under these names, these aliases, we are have freezers and horns laid out. You can come and get your stuff. There was over 300
2: oh my gosh.
1: bucks <laughs> that he had not done. Bobcats, waterfowl, all these other mounts that weren't ever done. And guess who's we found? The that winner can't. of that. I mean, we're talking like eight years later.
2: That is amazing. Found
1: it. But, uh, you know, but it was my fault because, you know, I was oh, trying yeah, to yeah. I was trying to ruin his business. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, you just been around, I guess, in the outdoor industry long enough, you kind of get some crazy stories. So there's two of them for you.
2: <laughs> Man, that's, yeah, that's intense. I haven't, I haven't had too many crazy encounters with people like hunting, hunting public land out in Colorado. You run into some yeah, stuff yeah. and you get, you know, yeah. you get private land people that are, are coming on the public to push all the big bulls back onto private. Yeah. You know, yep. we've, we've just kind of run into some stuff that yep. seems shady, maybe not illegal, but definitely I wouldn't get involved with it. Right. Um, yeah. Hopefully I don't run into anything like that.
1: Shady stuff, man. Yeah. Shady stuff.
2: What, a are, are there any hunts that you haven't got to do that? You're just like, man, this is it. This is what I want to do. Top of the bucket list type of thing.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, My top of the, so it would have been, I wanted to kill a big bull elk with my bow. And this, this past September, uh, I was able to get a a landowner permit in New Mexico. Um, and, uh, it happened so fast. I just didn't have time to screw it up. Um, but I killed a three sixty four with my bow. Um, it was unbelievable. I mean, we spotted him at like 1200 yards up on a, on a ridge, worked our way to him. He ended up being with like six other bulls, and uh, next biggest was like, like 280. And uh, he ended up working his way down into the bottom. And uh, anyways, big heavy cedars, and uh, we were sitting there, and, and uh, we we see see his feet coming. And uh, I pop up on my knees, put on my release. <clears throat> I'm shooting a PSE Evo EVL, and uh, I have a HHA single pin, and I had it set at 20. And, I mean, it's like I pop up on my knees, put my release on, and I'm like, I gotta draw now. Like he's, it's he's here, oh, and so I man. draw, and uh, my buddy, I said, how far? And he says forty nine. And I said, how far? And he said forty nine. And so I'm like, all right, we're gonna guesstimate a little bit with this pen. Kentucky and windows, so yeah, so I'm like, all right, come up. Mm, he's quartering to he, he, but it made it. He'd come out and he stopped, perfect, like in the sun, like it's just gorgeous footage. He looks back over his shoulder. You know, and he's quartering to me a little bit. And I, I mean, I, I double lunging, man. Oh, gosh. And uh, it was incredible. So that was a big one for me. I've killed several bulls, killed them with guns, but I hadn't killed, I wanted to kill a big one with my bow. And and that happened, and it was incredible. Uh, but I really want to go to New Zealand. I want to do a red stag. I want to do a New Zealand red stag. That's a bucket list for me. Oh, um, uh, man, I, I'd like to, you know, um I like to kill a big moose. Eventually, you know, I feel like it's just like a rich man game, and that's a tough one to go kill a big one. Yeah, um, but I'd like to do that. And yeah, we're supposed to go to Africa if, if COVID stuff will kind of clear up. And, and now that it's kind of, we'll hopefully get there. We've we we've, we've booked that. We got plane tickets already bought. But a, a kudu is also on my list. You know, I want to do I want to do a kudu, and uh, got an outfitter over there that we're going to hunt with. That's that's working with me on on doing a kudu and, and a bunch of other planes games. So. Yeah. But, but the red stag is, is, is numero uno on the list, man. I want to kill a big sucker roaring. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoo, that's it for me.
2: Dude. And the, and the terrain out there, like just oh, the scenery of gorgeous. hunting out there. Yeah. It's the Lord of the Rings, man. Yeah. It's Lord like of the Rings. You're hunting in Mordor for oh, a red stag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Frodo, help pack him out. Let's go, bro. You know? Yeah. No, it'd be awesome. That's like, bucket list for me
2: yeah yeah that that would be really sweet mine mine is a moose yeah want to shoot a big moose in the yukon with my bow yeah i i just think alaska has so much to offer yeah and even if you weren't successful in the sense of bringing home an animal imagine just floating a river in the middle of nowhere it's in gorgeous alaska for a week. no
1: i've i've uh i've done caribou uh out of kotzebue um which is like you know 200 miles from Russia, you know. Uh, Flew up there. Um, I spent 13 days in a tent 60 miles north of the Arctic Circle. Uh, Saw muskox, grizzlies. Jeez. Uh, I saw two moose. I saw one moose over 60 inches, one over 40 inches. Uh, Ended up killing a a pretty decent caribou. Ended up killing two bulls. Uh, But an incredible experience. And so, um, yeah, man, we've only had – we've had one moose on the show. Uh, One of our staffers, Rick Thomas, three years ago went – uh, CVA's uh, new Paramount Pro muzzleloaders that are a uh, man, they guarantee a two and a half inch group at 400 yards. Unbelievable muzzleloader game has changed, yeah, and those no guns kidding. are unreal. Uh, anyway, he was the first one. Went up, he killed a grizz, killed a silver, uh, silver phase grizz that was just gorgeous. Dropped him in his track, he shot him with that muzzleloader. I mean, he never moved again, dude. High shouldered him, hit the ground. Oh he did the same gosh. thing with that moose, he shot a 63 inch bull moose. 1500 1600 pounds and he shoots him and I mean lawn chair bro I mean he just shoots him he goes straight to his butt and just falls over oh never moved gosh. again never moved again those muzzle loaders smashed him <laughs> and so yeah it was awesome so that's first Grizzly and the first moose killed with it uh, for for CVA so they were pretty pumped about that
2: yeah I bet I that's one thing I haven't gotten into is muzzle loader hunting. oh yeah My my dad got one years ago. I mean, just probably some cheap one from Walmart. Oh yeah, and he's like, "Hold on, you mean I get one shot with this thing? Yeah, it." And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, it'd be fun, man. The get honestly,
1: like, there it's changed. Like the technology, just like anything, man. Like uh, the technology of muzzleloaders has changed so much that I mean, to think about shooting, you know, like like. They they had a new prototype that they gave to me a couple like two years ago, and it's a forty caliber, which was legal in Oklahoma. And uh, I mean, what they're able to do, I mean, we're talking about shooting a muzzleloader bullet, you know, twenty eight hundred feet per second. Jeez, you know, I mean, like slinging two hundred fifty grains at twenty eight hundred feet per second, like precision accuracy, like the game's changed with it. And so, you know, um, what what they're able to do with a muzzleloader now compared to even ten years ago. Is nine day difference. Yeah, you know, because they can be frustrating. Like I remember, I've I've pulled the trigger on a muzzleloader on some big bucks before, and it didn't go off. You know, and I'm just like, no, no, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like you can eject the shell. You know, that powder got wet somehow, or you know whatever happened, it, it didn't go off. So you're just you're just stuck. Now I'm Marty Stauffer out here filming for Wild America. You know, yep. I ain't killing stuff. I'm just watching it walk around. You know, so
2: I, yeah, I've I've seen all I've seen a lot of those shows where you know they they go click and there's just nothing yeah or there's a small spark yeah and then the bullet basically falls out of the end of the barrel yeah. and i'm yeah. like man that is just it's it's risky for me of course i've missed i've messed hunts up before i went out this past year to go archery hunting yeah and there were a couple bucks that kept showing up on camera again i was like man i'm gonna go get in the tree tonight it's gonna be awesome I always bring a rifle with, like, just in the truck. That way, if I'm walking, or if I pull up in the field, I see coyotes out in the pasture all the time. So I'll just stop and shoot a coyote. Well, I get to the I get to the spot that I parked the truck and I open up my bow case. My release is gone. I'm like, Oh yeah. you got to be kidding me! And as soon as I as soon as I oh, opened yeah. it up, Man, I there. can picture my you knew where it was You knew where sitting knew right on top of the deep freeze. Oh yeah, right there. You know there. where it's at. And I was like, man, at least I've got my rifle with. But uh, I ended up <laughs> I ended up coyote hunting, just sitting next to this fence row with my rifle. And I was like, I'm not really going to call. I'm just going to sit. And if a coyote comes out, I'm going to shoot it. But the real reason I wanted to sit there, I wanted to see if I, I missed my opportunity at the buck. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to sit to where I can see my tree stand at like 600 yards. And I'm going to see if that buck ever comes out. It never did, so I didn't. Feel man, at bad. least,
1: yeah, I was gonna say. At least he didn't come out, and then because if he had came out, oh, I'd be kicking myself. Yeah, to this day. yeah, that's horrible.
2: But, yeah, the those little mistakes they can they can haunt you. Definitely, hundred percent, man,
1: hundred percent. I've 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 totally forgotten my my release before. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the worst feelings ever.
2: It is. And like I, I got always that where I carry a double. It. Yeah. I got a, yeah.
1: I've, I got another one in my backpack.
2: Well, and that's what I need to start doing. Like I, I typically put mine in my chest pocket on my jacket because mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, if I'm walking in, I've got a thumb release. I don't, I don't have it strapped to my wrist. Okay. I keep it in a pocket. See, I can't then, keep
1: track of anything. So I can't do, I, I have to have a, a wrist strap. Yeah. I have to, because I can't keep track of nothing. If I just did, you know, the thumb release, I, bro, I'd lose that. In three days.
2: See, I, I did the wrist release for a long time and what sold me on the thumb release was I went in and I was just talking to a guy. I'm like, hey, talk to me about back tension, talk to me about thumb, yeah. talk to me about wrist. And and you tell me what what the benefits are to each one. And he had me sold with one point and he just said, like, on a wrist on a wrist strap, you're climbing over a fence or climbing over a gate or doing anything, that thing's clanking and making all kinds of noise. And immediately I thought back to the two gates that I have to cross every time I go uh, to yeah. my hunting spot. That's true. And I'm always putting my hands up and all yeah. of a sudden, tink, it yeah. hits. And I'm thinking, man, I just blew every deer out of here. And so that point alone, I was like, man, I'll put it in my pocket. I don't have to have it messing with my stuff. Yeah. I don't have to have it making noise. I'll clip it onto my bow once I'm in the tree stand, and then I'll be done with it. Yeah.
1: So. To Easter own, man. Yeah. I just lose it. Then I'd be screwed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, but I I did put an extra one in my backpack so I can always make sure I got it.
2: That's a good idea. I yeah. might have to do that. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you not only driving over here and no, hang out and chat. It was
1: it was fun. This was a long time coming. We talked about it because we connected through TikTok. Yep. Yeah. Which by the way it was great dancing the other day. I saw you doing a dance.
2: That is uh, the worst thing you could say to me.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched it and I was like, Okay, all right. He's he, we got a we got a full dancer, we got we got some dancing. My
2: wife tried you. You should see how many takes that stuff takes me. And when you see the quality that's coming out, you're mm-hmm. like that. That looks like a first take type type of dance. No, that's like twenty in. Yeah, and I'm still struggling with it.
1: I suffer from OC, uh, overly Caucasian, um, <laughs> yeah. and so I struggle with the rhythmic aspects uh-huh. of things. And so you you will, you won't see me doing much dancing. Yeah, especially on the old talk. So,
2: no, my, yeah. my wife is, she did hip hop dancing and she was an instructor okay. for a while. All right. like she knows how to move. Yeah. Okay. Well, she thinks that means I should know how to move too, which I don't. <laughs> and I never will. I can't play music. I am the yeah. worst. I can't sing. They don't I played me
1: a move. mean tube in eighth grade. And the only reason I did is because I was the only kid big enough to carry the tube in march with. <laughs> so I feel you. I, I don't, I don't got the music. Either. Oh
2: yeah. No, they just told me basically go play sports and that's what I did. There you go. And yeah, I can. I'm athletic, but as far as rhythm goes, forget it. That ain't you. Know? Yeah. That's but, right. Um, Why don't you share with everybody before we hop off? I know you'd mentioned the podcast, <sighs> the yeah. show. Where can they find all of you? Yeah, man, projects? if
1: you want to you tune in and listen to uh, me and uh, our producer of our show, Adam Carter, do a little bit of banter, our podcast, uh, you can just search Final Descent Outdoors. You can find us on on apple podcast spotify and all the other places that you uh probably listen to podcast uh we have a good time with that we have some fun guests on the show uh from time to time as well and so uh, you can find us there uh final descent outdoors we're the longest running tv show on the pursuit channel uh, so dish 393 direct tv 604 at and verse 1644 uh we also air on wild tv in canada uh, uh you can find us on in on those those places and uh, tune in and watch us we'll be back with uh uh, season 12 of the show will start back in July with new episodes. Super excited about that. Uh, and if you, uh, man, are new to it, you want to go watch uh, past episodes, you can find our YouTube channel. Just search Final Descent Outdoors. You'll find our YouTube. You'll find about 10 seasons worth of content there. Nice. Um, and then if, if you don't have the Pursuit channel, you can download the Pursuit Up app. Uh, so if you have a smart TV, it is free, and it is awesome. The Pursuit channel has done a phenomenal job with their app. I've been on tune in, watch outdoor content, watch Jimmy Houston, watch red arrow with Kip, uh, man, some great content that are, that's there and it's free, man. Like you cannot beat it. Like if you enjoy outdoor television, uh, entertainment from that aspect, man, tune in and watch. And then we're on the social medias. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at FD outdoors, uh, on Facebook at final descent outdoors. Uh, you can find our TikTok uh, brad clay underscore final descent, uh, there as well. And so just a lot of fun, a great way to connect to us and, uh, just kind of see what we're all about, what we're doing, staying active and enjoying the outdoors, man.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to be looking forward to watching that 214. Oh, episode. yeah. Oh, That's man. Stupid. Just just stupid. describing that, man.
1: I'll show you the footage. I got it on my phone. Oh, perfect. You'll be able to see you yeah, get to see get some of peek. it. Yeah, yeah, you get a sneak peek. There's been like six people in the world that have seen it. So Dang. you'll be number seven. I'm elite. It's elite, bro. It's elite.
2: <laughs> well, sweet, man. I appreciate it. And uh, we're gonna have to do this more often.
1: Though. We should, man. Yeah, it's not that it's not that far away. And then obviously we can call
2: in too. you know. Yeah. So I appreciate it, buddy. Yep. Thank you. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. What a crazy couple stories that he had. I mean, I feel like he could have his own TV show just about horrific hunting experiences. That was wild and... I I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that guy's confession sitting down in the the little dive bar. Anyways, he had a ton of cool experiences, a lot of awesome hunts that he's been on. And I'm telling you right now, he's one of the coolest guys, one of the nicest guys that I've got to connect with in person in the outdoor industry so far. So go check out Brad Clay, check out Final Descent Outdoors, and hopefully we can connect again soon, Uh, whether it's on a podcast or maybe I'll see if he can come over for a turkey hunt or we can do some coyote hunting or something like that. He, he's just all around a good dude. Go check him out on social media, on YouTube, his TV show. Um, he listed it all right there at the end. So please connect with him. And hopefully you guys are getting out in shed hunting. Uh, snow goose is going on in a lot of places right now. I think Turkey actually just kicked off in Florida. And more episodes or more states are going to be launching their turkey seasons here shortly. So, uh, best of luck this year. Actually, I just got a cool new turkey vest in. I've never had a turkey vest before. Hopped on Amazon, found it. I'm going to have to put the link to it because I absolutely love this thing. And I think I'm going to be using it for a lot more than just turkey hunting. It's got like this kickstand on the back. So, it's got the flip down seat that a lot have. Big, thick like cushion that you can sit on. But then, part of the frame actually kicks out and creates kind of a chair out of the out of the vest and I was testing it out yesterday I'm already putting calls and stuff in it not that I'm a good caller or anything but I've already been putting my calls in it getting my vest ready to go for the upcoming turkey season and hopefully you guys are doing the same Um, but until next time always choose adventure and god bless